0: Hey everybody, this is John Petrucci from Dream Theater, you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, right, this is Phil Cullen from Death Island for the Man Race? you're listening to Iron City Rock. Here's so the money, man. I got two tickets, but I'm taking everybody, and you're listening to Iron City
1: Rock. So hang out and
0: turn it up. Hey, it's Tommy Fair from KISS, and you're listening to Iron City Rock right now.
1: Hi, this is Lita Ford, you're listening to Iron
2: City Rock. Hi, this is Mike you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, this
0: is Tom Gimble from Corner, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is
2: Ted Nugent, and I am the Iron City Rocks guy.
3: And welcome to episode 200 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 200 wanted to uh, do it in grand style. Uh, obviously, 200 episodes is a anniversary, uh, so to speak, and a, and a milestone for a podcast. Uh, so we wanted to talk to someone really special to commemorate. Uh, we have two really great guests we have from the band Foreigner. Tom Gimble uh, will be joining us, and we have the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent, joining us on the show as well. So without further ado, let's get into a little bit of Ted Nugent, some classic Ted Nugent, a song you probably don't hear as much as you should. It's a track called Fred Bear, and then we're going to let Uncle Ted tell you how it is.
1: Back in the wild again, and I felt right at home where I belong. I had that feeling coming over me again, just like it happened so many times before. The spirit of the woods is like an old good friend Makes me feel warm and good inside And I knew his name and it was good to see him again Cause in the wind he's still alive Old oh, friend bear,
4: walk with me down the trails again Welcome to the show, the iconic Ted Nugent. How are you doing, Ted?
2: I'm very iconic today, John. How about yourself? <laughs> I don't
4: know that I'm so iconic, but I'm doing really well. Well, actually,
2: all I am is just a happy guitar player with machine guns and very, very tired Labrador retrievers sitting on a wonderful barbecue epicenter ranch in Texas with so much joy I might squirt through the phone and stain you. Oh. I'm, 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 my, my happy cup runneth over, and I'm willing to share it with you all.
4: Yeah, that's... Sounds good as long as it doesn't run us over on me. That's fine. No,
2: no, it's all it's all organic.
4: <laughs> hey, um, you're going to be hitting the road uh, again pretty early this spring, uh, doing a, a run of dates with uh, Sticks and Ario Speedwagon. Obviously, you why not? Know. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, that's got to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, touring some of these guys who have been your your contemporaries in the rock business for so long. Um, how did how did the, the pairing come together?
2: Well, you know, the word fun is, is so inadequate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just an out of body, it's just stream of the, the physics of spirituality. I'm I'm 64 years clean and sober and I I love my music, I love this American dream, I love collaborating with these incredibly gifted virtuosos that I've been surrounded with for over 55 years now. Are you kidding me? And uh, every opportunity, I mean, I think God just shines down and looks for me on an hourly basis, and he finds me (laughs) because I'm real easy to find because you just look for the big, toothy grin. (laughs) And I started doing this right when uh, Les Paul, you know, electrified the guitar. I I was born just three years after he did that, and I started... Uh, You know, just jumping for joy because Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry perfected it immediately. And Little Richard showed us what the future of punk rock should look like (laughs) and sound like. And then you got guys like, you know, Kevin Cronin and Dave Amato and all the guys in REO Speedwagon and all the guys in sticks, my fellow damn Yankee, Tommy Shaw, and and certainly my uncle. Godly rhythm section—the Motown Funk Brothers of Greg Smith on bass guitar and Mick Brown on drums and Derek St Holmes from Down River on guitar and vocals. Every night, every song, every concert. Last year we did I think 70, 80 concerts. Last year that's that's quite reduced from the 350 a year I did coming out of high school. But God is it fun. So you know it doesn't take much to get me excited if I get to bring my guitar. Um, and this is just an opportunity in its ultimate uh, form because the guys in REO and Sticks and I, we, we literally have been doing concerts together for, I'm going to say, 36, 38 years. So.
5: Yeah. And when you see
2: guys that are so dedicated like that, the positive energy and the, and, the, and the musicianship and the passion for the music is is more intense from those guys and certainly from me and my boys. Mm-hmm. It's more intense now than ever. It's, it's gravity defined, but we're going to run with it as long as we can.
4: Yeah, so you are bringing Derek out on the road with you again this year.
2: You bet. That's awesome. You bet. Why not? The kid deserves me. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, it was great in the in the uh, <laughs> the anniversary DVD you did to see him out on stage. And you yeah. bet.
2: Well, you know Derek, you know we started in well, '73 together in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, we were both just punkers from Detroit, um, and even after he left the band to pursue you know his own specific musical um, uh, vision. Uh, after the uh, Cal Jam in 1978, uh, we always kept in touch. And there was a number of years that went not by we didn't jam together, and he didn't come up on stage and sing the masterpieces. But m- almost every year, shortly thereafter, you know, we'd bump into each other on the road, and we'd keep in touch, and we'd go, Hey, here's my itinerary. Here's where I'm going to be jamming. Come on! So he'd yeah. come and sing Stranglehold and Hey Baby, and just what the doctor ordered. And all those incredible pieces of music that he was a big part of, so it 's never stopped, but now it 's full time you know
4: yeah that 's awesome man. and you 've had what McBrown has been with you now for you know quite a long period of time, which is, which is fantastic you know it's, it's yeah well,
2: you know i 'm not just his band leader, but i 'm his parole <laughs> officer, so I think it's it 's a legal commitment we have here yeah. <laughs> no, no he 's just an animal he 's just one of the greatest drummers that ever lived, and again gives uh, his gifted talents. And musicality uh, is power up unto themselves, but he's just—he just loves the music. He loves my songs. Yeah. He loves performing these Nugent maneuvers, um, and and, and that's—you know—that's the ultimate icing on an already very icingy cake.
4: Yeah, it doesn't hurt. He's, he's funny as heck. He's one of the all-time I think characters of rock.
2: Yes, he is. A character. All I need to do is look at Mick playing my songs, and if you're not having a good time, you're weird.
4: Exactly, exactly. Now, you had a, a chance to to kind of sit in the halls of, of history not all that long ago at the State of the Union Address. Can you talk about that experience?
2: Sure. Um, I'll have to change uh, uh, mindset, though. Yeah, because The joy factor diminishes considerably. Well, yeah. um, It was very painful because, uh, it, number one, it's painful to uh, admit the negativity, mm-hmm. and it's it's painful to not... Celebrate what should be uh, an occasion of representation by elected officials, mm-hmm. uh, based on Constitution and Bill of Rights, and, and certainly uh, the American uh, ex- experiment in self-government, representing we the people. But unfortunately, uh, John, it was none of the above. Um, I really believe that we are in the uh, the uh, the suicidal spiral of uh, the most uh, uh, power-abusing, corrupt scamming government, uh, led by the most power-abusing, corrupt, scamming president in the history of our country. And, you know, I've heard all his uh, his cute little uh, scamming, flowery, feel-good, artificial uh, speeches before during his campaigns and all the State of the Unions and every time he opens his mouth, and I think the evidence is irrefutable that he's never done any of those wonderful things he claims he stands for and he's going to do. And and more horribly, uh, in every instance that he's actually made an effort regarding those different bullet points, he's done just the opposite. So it it just irked me and and just broke my heart further to watch these mindless sheep giving him a standing ovation for lie after lie after lie, and it was very disheartening.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, is there... You know, in looking at, and obviously this this past election um, didn't work out as some people would like. Is there a candidate you see going forward that you think might, you know, have a better chance in, you know, the next election that
2: you would well, the, you, probably you got obviously two, very early? you got two dynamics uh, in conflict here, John. Um, number one, I see great statesmen and great conservative you know, uh, constitutional adherents in public office out there and outside of public office, um, but because they are constitutional adherents and great patriots and, and accountable, conscientious, intelligent, <laughs> um, educated people, those attributes are now liabilities. Yes. All the things that would make a great pe- president will keep that person from being president because obviously the tide has turned um, the producers are constantly uh, being punished further, while the bloodsuckers are being rewarded uh, even more so on a daily basis by, by this corrupt government. And so in order to get elected, you'd have to um, scam the people even more and and, and quote Mao Zedong, as, the, as President Obama's uh, czar of communication, Valerie Jarrett, likes to often quote Mao Tung uh, the, one of the founders of communism, the, the curse, the horror, the anti human scourge of communism. Our commander in chief actually surrounds himself with communists, members of the Communist Party, which which is enough to make us throw it unto itself. But no, I, I believe that a great man cannot be president of the United States of America right now unless those sheeple, unless I'm not going to say we the sheeple because I'm not one but the other we, the sheeple, until they get their head out of their ass and realize that uh, uh, effort and, 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 and work ethic and the drive to be the best that you can be and the, the responsibility of being as productive as possible that is the real American dream, until that comes back to the fore uh, in, in the hearts and souls of the majority, um uh, the those that will take from the productive and give to those who refuse to produce um, will continue to uh, destroy this once great, greatest quality of life available in the history of humankind. So the prognosis is not pretty. Um, yeah. I, I, in my heart of hearts, um, you know, my dad pissed us off an awful lot when I was growing up mm-hmm. because he demanded all that stuff. He demanded accountability, he demanded productivity. He demanded excellent effort maximum, best effort. Um, and once we realized that that's why we had quality of life, we turned our anger and frustration into admiration and appreciation.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think maybe a, a drill sergeant mentality like my dad, Warren Henry Nugent, um, if it surfaced, maybe there's enough people who still have that spark of, the best that they can be, instead of scamming and trying to get away with more sick days, negotiating a job based on how many sick days you can get, and that kind of soullessness. Um, maybe if that is reversed, then a great man like uh, Ronald Reagan um, could be voted back into office. But I, 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 my knees hurt from bending and praying on them so often. Um, yeah. But I still have hope, and I still believe that the human heart, um will will shake itself out of this uh this uh, soullessness that America finds itself in today, and that a great leader demanding accountability providing accountability um and getting back to uh the shining uh, city on the hill uh, is is our future
4: yeah i i think you you said something very very well there about uh, work ethic and um you know that is something you know it is i think you take a look around at the people you work with and the people you know and, and things like that. You start to see that people do tend to try to do as little as possible and you know look to other people to do the work.
2: You know, sure, and you know, it, and it's it's a bad honor yeah. now to scam somebody. You know,
5: yeah, like, hey, to scam good.
2: your boss. I mean, and the unions. Uh, um, and I'm a Detroit boy, but the unions have dug their own grave by you know negotiating again. I bring about the concept of sick days. You got to be kidding me! So the the, the 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 pandemic of obesity might not be indicative of a mentality that you're going to negotiate based on days you plan on being sick, yeah. even though you know you're not sick on a specific day. But it's okay to lie yeah. that you're sick and you can't produce for the business you work with. I mean, it's like a it's like I'm sure that. Part of the script was rejected when the Planet of the Apes was being produced because it was too stupid. Um, But unfortunately, there's an enormous swath of ugly Americans right now. They probably are not only ugly figuratively, but literally because of the obesity pandemic, where you don't care about your health, so you demand health care you don't take good care of yourself so you're only going to work at a place that gives you maximum sick days so you have the flexibility to not take care of yourself and get sick and here's a message to those a message to those people eat me move to canada move to illinois we don't like you yeah well said
4: yeah i mean it it is it's it's you know i don't want to say it's necessarily the country's in decay but i mean it it sometimes when you look at it it is you know, so it, it's it's a good. Point. Well, John, let
2: me let me let me boost your spirit, shall okay, I? sure. I mean, that, that's why I'm so good, at. I've got it down to like a a, a cranial ballet. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to Ted Nugent here. If you examine my wife, first of all, I sock ya. But if you examine, <laughs> if you closely examine my wife, which is one of the greatest joys in life. But I digress. If you look at the Nugent family, my sons, my daughters, my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. My brothers, my sister, my band, my crew, my management team, my Spirit of the Wild production team, our Sunrise Safaris guides and outfitters. All the people I work with, my publishers, my editors, everybody, my ranch hand, my my skinners and my gutters. I mean everybody I'm surrounded with. Remember I'm just an entrepreneur, I'm just a goofy wango tango author, but I, I hire Americans, I hire hard workers. And my God, John, each and every one of them are upright, upstanding. They get up earlier than anybody you could possibly meet. They work harder every day. They will settle for nothing but the absolute best that they can be. And I rarely have to criticize or scold them because they've already self-critiqued and scolded themselves and produced better without a word from their boss. If the goofy guitar player can create this enormous force of positive productivity, an asset on every imaginable count, every one of the Nugent team is an asset on every imaginable count. If I can do that, who on God's good green earth could possibly manufacture an excuse that they can't? Yeah, Yeah, that's... Do you realize point. the numbers of people I just talked about? Yeah. I'm talking about band and crew. I got I don't know what, I got 16 guys on the road, I got booking agents and managers and personal assistants and and everybody. Everybody, John, they absolutely kick ass. And you want to know how many sick days that they expect? None. Yeah. If you're my bass player and you're sick, I'm taking your money and paying a bass player that's not sick. Don't get sick. How's that?
4: That's perfect. How about
2: that? Perfect, and that's what a president needs to uh, emanate. That's what a president needs to exude. That's what a leader needs to scold. How dare you engineer yourself into the liability column of this great experiment, self-government. Shame on you. Move to France.
4: Yeah, amen to France. Um, yeah, and I think another thing that you're, when you talk, you know, it kind of is, is yourself is the entrepreneur. Uh, and another great thing is that it's, it, you know, obviously what you do is engaging people, enjoy obviously working for you, um, you know. So it's nice to see your appreciation for the people, Oh, yeah, you should, you should
2: interview the people that work for me. Interview <laughs> Mick Brown.
4: Yeah.
2: Ask him who he'd rather work for than anybody on the planet. If you're not mm-hmm. having fun because you want to know all those things I just mentioned, mm-hmm. you know who does it better than any of them? Uh, me. Yeah. I lead by example. I don't even sleep anymore.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, I don't even know how you'd have time. I mean, when I look at, you know, obviously you're, you're doing, uh, you've got yourself a column uh, now, your uh, own TV show. Um, you're doing a tour, obviously, um, you know, you were truly an entrepreneur, you know, and it's, you know, that isn't something that you, that happens by accident, that happens by hard work.
2: Hey, Amen. Hard, hard work. And you know why I go to bed at night giggling? Because I worked really hard and I made myself happy because I knew that I produced for America. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
4: Well Ted, I want to thank you so much um for, for coming and talking to us, uh talking about all this great Americana stuff and uh probably most importantly, well I don't say most importantly, but uh most uh, foremost in our mind the Midwest Rock and Roll Express. You're gonna be coming into Burger Sound, which is essentially Pittsburgh uh a town that absolutely adores uh, seeing you guys uh, it's you never disappoint live. I don't think anyone's ever walked away from a Nugent show disappointed so it will be a great time to see when you get here in may man
2: well actually, I know this one animal rights cat that came to the show <laughs> and he was he was really upset at all the barbecue I'm a lot of death and barbecue sauce. No, well, John, thank you and thank uh, Pittsburgh. I've been jamming in Pittsburgh since 1967 and we have this reciprocal ass kicking bond. <laughs> they yeah. kick my ass and I kick their ass right back. Yeah. And I, I'm 64 years old, 64 years clean and sober, and I got more energy and more spirit and more attitude and spunk and piss and vinegar now than I ever have. The 20 year old Nugent showed up, I'd tromp his ass. <laughs> um, and it's a gift of. Being clean and sober, and, and having the discipline that my my parents taught me,
5: yeah.
2: uh, and that's available to everybody. You want equal opportunity, Mister President? Then do like the Nugent clan does. Be the best that you can be. Yeah, that's. that's
4: remember, be all you can be. That's, that's certainly a a great credo to live by. So Ted, I, I want to thank you again. It's been a, a
2: real. Well, thank long you, John. Time. Godspeed. I love the Steel City, brother.
1: Together. Are you ready? Sticks. REO Speedwagon. Ted
2: Nugent. Come take a ride on the Midwest Rock and Roll Express. May 19th at First Niagara Pavilion.
3: Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com or Ticketmaster Outlets.
1: listen to an album and thought to yourself, "Man, I could do so much better than that." Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue and I've decided to write my next album live and online at rageandapathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to rageandapathy.com and join my madness.
3: All right, a big thanks to Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent, for coming on the show. He's kind of a guy you can say hello to and let him do the rest, but uh, it was still fun to talk to him about uh, music and a little bit of politics, uh, although trying uh, turned out to get too political on the show. We're about as unpolitical or apolitical, I guess is the proper term, as you can get. But it was cool to find out that Derek St. Holmes will be back with him on the bill uh, in the band, and Wild McBrown, who's been on Iron City Rocks in the past. Wild McBrown, also drummer of Dawkin and lynch mob and tnn so um kind of playing all the bases with the guys from Dawkins still and uh another guy from docking uh jeff pilsen is in foreigner uh currently and uh that kind of segues into our next guest tom Gimbel, who is in the band foreigner foreigner will be in town uh to do a show at the carnegie library music hall in munhall pa which is if you're local to pittsburgh is by the waterfront a uh, very nice, uh, classic kind of old building. Reminds me a lot of the Biome Theater inside. A little bit smaller, but a great venue to see a show. Uh, you are extremely close no matter where you are because the building is tiered like a traditional old theater, so you're not going to be more than a couple hundred feet from the stage no matter where you're at. Tom has been with the band for quite a while now. Uh, Tom has played uh, back when Lou Graham was in the band. Uh, I believe it was in the 90s Lou had returned to the band. Uh, He has subsequently left, and Kelly Hansen uh, is now in the band. Uh, Kelly was a uh, vocalist of Hurricane, uh, which had a hit called I'm On To You, but um, his versions of the Foreigner songs are lights out. Um, I I was kind of a doubter, I think anybody is, when a band loses their lead singer, uh, especially someone with an iconic voice like Lou Graham, Uh, but Kelly really does it as well. Uh, And there's really You are not missing anything with this band As a top notch grouping musicians. Jeff Pilsen as I mentioned is an incredible vocalist as well Sings a little on the new TNN album Uh, Tom A great saxophone guitar player Keyboard player is in the band Uh, And you have uh, Mick Who is the staple of Foreigner So let's play a little bit of a new version Of Urgent from Foreigner This is a version with Kelly Hansen On vocals And then we're going to get into our interview with Tom
4: guys are hitting the road you're coming in to do the uh doing a show in the month of may at the carnegie library Uh, i wanted to check in with you guys um had an opportunity as a christmas gift actually someone picked up for me that feels like the first time uh dvd cd combo pack and uh i have to admit it was my first exposure to seeing kelly on vocals and uh you know as a doubter wow i mean i was i was a fan of kelly's prior work actually Uh and you know I think anytime anytime a band switches lead singers you know people get a little skeptical and you know like I said I happen to come across this as a Christmas gift Um, but I wanted to talk especially as a musician um, how you came to this point because you um, have come through one of my favorite bands of all time in Aerosmith uh, working with them for a number of Uh years but I kind of was curious how you broke into the business because you know I think a lot of people you know you see rise up in a band, but you kind of, you know, joined one of the biggest bands on the earth at the time with Aerosmith. Um, how did you, you know, become what you are today as far as a musician?
0: Okay, well, first of all, I think we're going to be there May 24th, if I have that right. Yeah. I hope. And uh, we're looking forward to that. But I-, I can tell you the whole rundown, it was it was like a, a it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. I uh, worked my way up through the, through the circuit as it was back then in the 80s. You know, bands could play in Boston, uh, and do original material. I had a band called The System. And we were playing all the different clubs. Uh, from there I went to James Montgomery, who was like a blues musician in New England, very, very professional, incredible guy. And uh, that, after that came John Butcher, I uh, had a band called the John Butcher Axis. We had a record deal on Capitol Records. We did three albums with that. And so it was just really sort of word of mouth. People in the industry that knew each other eventually recommended me to Aerosmith when they said they were looking for a keyboard player that could really sing. And uh, someone said, well, there's this guy, Tom, and he also plays saxophone. So that was music to their ears. Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> so when they called me up, and they said, "True, you play keyboard, sax, and sing?" I said, "Sure, I do." So uh, I'll never forget. It. it was it was Joe Perry that called me and he said, "Can you just like play a regular, good boogie woogie blues piano?"
5: Yeah.
0: I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Can you do it over the phone?" Because we've been getting these tapes and we don't know what we're getting.
5: Yeah. I said, "I'd be
0: happy to, Joe." You know, I sat down at the piano, just started wailing away, and he said, "Okay, why don't you come on up and, I'll, and uh, we'd like to meet you." So I I flew up to Vancouver. They were in the middle of uh, recording Pump. Uh, Let's see, this would been 1989.
4: Yeah. And uh, yeah. Now, did you you play on the actually on the record, or did you just do the tour for that?
0: No, they were just finishing up the, the album, and I started out with that tour in 1989. It was the Pump Tour. And so, yeah, off we went. It was really, really like a, you know, sort of a pinch me kind of moment. I remember sitting at the piano with Steven Tyler and he was showing me the parts to dream on. I thought I had it pretty close, but there was a couple of tricky little things I wanted to make sure of. And we sat at the piano and I just looked around and I'm like, is this really happening? Yeah. (laughs) Sure enough, it was. We had a great 30 months on the
4: road. Let me ask you: On that tour, did you do a um, kind of extended, like, come out on stage with the saxophone? Because I remember seeing a yes. boot. Okay, I remember seeing a bootleg of Aerosmith because that was actually the first time I had seen Aerosmith was on that tour, and you know, so wow. I, you know, somewhere along the line of you know on the internet, there's a, you know, these shows, and I thought it was from Philadelphia, but I could have been wrong.
5: Uh-huh.
0: But um, yeah.
4: I remember seeing a show, and a guy came out. Did you have kind of longer hair at the time?
0: I sure did, and it was silver saxophone. Yeah. It was funny because Joey Kramer, the drummer, as soon as I got into the rehearsal room, he came up to me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Tower of Power, and I love the saxophone, so if you want, we can do a little, like a funky saxophone drum duet. Yeah. And I said, oh, gee, let me think about that. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely, couldn't wait to. Uh, so Joey Kramer really endeared himself to me at that point. They all did. They're super, super nice guys. And uh, that was a real high point doing that drum and saxophone breakdown funky shuffle.
4: Yeah, I mean that was that was just a monster yeah. tour, uh, the the pump tour for those who didn't see it. Uh, I was actually just talking to uh, Rachel Bullen of Skid Row, who uh, when you guys were yes. in Pittsburgh had had opened that show. So it's you know kind of sure. A, sure. ironic to talk yeah, to I you got- later the same week.
0: Oh, we're going back in time. Yeah, I remember, Rachel. We had a great time. Skid Row did a lot of shows with us. They were on that tour for a long time, and I got to know them pretty well. Yeah. And there were some really interesting hijinks shenanigans that went on yeah. <laughs> between us and Skid Row. I so can imagine.
4: Just, just with yeah, Aerosmith, yeah. there were plenty of hijinks uh, that went on. Now, you were with <laughs> Aerosmith and through Get a Grip, and um, you did The Little South of Sanity. Were you on that live album?
0: Uh, yes, on a live okay. album, I'm definitely okay. there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that, that Get a Grip tour was was the long one. That was the 20 months, and that was just massive. Yeah. So, um, a lot of great memories from there.
4: Yeah, now, did you do another tour with them after that? I know they kind of, you know, I don't remember no, the exact No, sequence. I did. Okay.
0: Yeah, ninety seven I did a couple of uh early shows when they were just starting to like record release parties and so forth. Okay. And then and then we parted ways. I had I had been working with Foreigner off and on. I was going okay. like a ping pong ball between the two bands.
5: Okay.
0: Uh but I'd been yeah, i been full time with uh Foreigner. You
4: know, how how did you get in touch with I mean it, I'm assuming Mick kind of calls most of the musical shots and things like that. Is that the guy you kinda of have to audition mm-hmm. for? for how did you come in yeah
0: his? i i was just so lucky again uh someone told them about me it was actually uh, kevin williamson from uh atlantic records told foreigner about me when they were looking for someone and i had been recommended to him through ricky phillips a good friend of mine uh, this was over a golf game of course and uh, they called. The, uh, Mick Jones's brother, Kevin Jones, called me up, and he said, "Hey, this is Kevin from Foreigner, and uh, we'd like to meet you." They didn't really want to hear me play because they'd seen they'd seen videos uh, of me with Aerosmith, so they knew I could play, right. and they weren't so much concerned about that as what kind of person are you, you know? Mm-hmm. So they said, "Let's go to dinner, well, let's let's hang out and uh, see if the personality fits." Yeah. So we had a quick quick meeting, and then I, I stayed behind and, and did some drinking with. The bass player, so they could really find out (laughs) what kind of guy I was. Yeah. Luckily, I passed the test. And said, "Oh yeah, he's a funny guy, and you know, no no real problems there." So off we went without ever having really played. I just showed up for rehearsals.
4: Showed up, and was this was this wild? Or um, sorry, Jeff Bellson at the time when you said the bass player? Is,
0: no, a long time before that. This okay. was a Bruce Turgen. Yeah, okay. this is a ninety. This nineteen ninety
4: two. Oh okay. Yeah, been,
5: been yeah,
0: not yeah, that crazy. That was ten years before Jeff Pilson. Yeah,
5: okay.
4: yeah. No, and then I mean, there's the history. Yeah, you've seen, uh, you know, obviously there's been a couple, you know, on drums. You had, uh, Jason Bonham, um, oh, yeah. The band. Um, you know, is That's this, fun. this lineup, um, obviously though, is, is tremendous, as I said, um, you know, having mm-hmm. a chance to see you guys, uh, you know, do some DVDs and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. is it as fun on stage as it looks? I mean, it you really
0: got- is. Yeah. It really is. It's a high-energy band. You know? Basically, it's been like my 20 years with Foreigner. The first 10 were with Lou Graham, and it's almost another 10 now with Kelly Hansen. So people think of him as the new singer. He's <laughs> not new at all now. He's like eight or nine years in. So uh, he's just stepped into those shoes and done the most incredible job you can imagine. I mean, imagine how tough it would be to step into those shoes. Yeah, And then on top of that, he just knocks the ball out of the park every single night. Uh And the audience accepts him, and they did immediately because he's such a great singer. If you can deliver those songs verbatim, you know, night after night. And also, he's a tremendous entertainer. You know, he doesn't yeah. just stand there and sing the songs. He really puts on a show. So, you know, he's like a triple threat in that regard. And uh it just goes down from there. Jeff is a high-energy bass player. We've always had high-energy drummers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, kind of forced me to step it up a little bit, <laughs> start yeah. moving around more, just to keep up with those guys. They're you know, they're sure. like a whirling dervish You know, yeah. it's, it's been a ton of
4: fun. Yeah, I think the thing, that, especially with Kelly, that kind of stood out. I mean, I remember in the early Hurricane days, and, you know, having the, the the debut album from them. And I remember when I heard, you know, he was going to be going with Foreigner. You know, you kind of do a head scratch because it was just like, you, sure? you you think Lou Graham, you think you know, I, I want to know what love is, you know, it's sort of an iconic mm-hmm. sound. But then, the thing that Kelly mm-hmm. can do the notes so spot on that you know you can mm. throw in you know the you know on you know on the Walmart disc or example, you can throw in jukebox here and almost forget that it's a different singer. But you have mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. such a presence live, you know, it's it's almost like yeah. uh, watching him twenty years ago. With Hurricane, you know, and that's really I think I know, you know,
0: it's he's, a, he's an incredible individual. He's an incredible singer, and he's one of the smart guys that took care of himself. Yeah, you know, the eight the eighties came through, and they trashed those years, trashed a lot of singers and a lot of musicians. Kelly was smart; he never went down that road. And I think that's part of the reason why his voice has stood the test of time. He just never got into that heavy partying that everyone else was doing. Yeah. So, uh yeah, he takes care of himself. He knows he's a master a craftsman at what he does. And he takes care of his body, which, as for a singer, that's the instrument. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's still good to go. It's amazing.
4: Yeah, you can tell. I mean, just from looking at him, you know, Physically, he you know can't go more than about a yeah. buck fifty. Uh, you know he's a pretty thin guy. Um, you know, sure it, is in he, shape. Yeah. yeah, and that's got to be. And you bring up a good point. That is his instrument, though. Um, as far as Incredible. is you though, I mean, is there? Um, do you primarily do keyboards live, or is? is oh, this is, a, good, yeah, this of the is brass, a guitar.
5: Yeah, this
0: is a guitar situation for me. That's why I'm so happy about it. In this band, I get to play big power chords on guitar my primary instrument in this band is rhythm guitar okay and to play with mick jones to do those monster riffs whether it's Mm -hmm. double vision or or uh jukebox hero we talked about hot-blooded you know long way from home any of them are so much fun to play on guitar uh that this is like a dream situation for me so i get to play guitar most of the night i might dabble on a little bit of keyboards Mm-hmm. And then to pull out the saxophone for urgent and a uh, long way from home—it's just uh, the most fun you could pause for me. And a lot of singing too. I love to sing, so these are all the instruments that I adore playing, and just so fortunate to be able to play them all. A little bit of flute too in Star Rider. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just so happy that I got a chance to play all the instruments that I cherish in this setting on these great songs.
4: It yeah.
5: just
0: couldn't be any—I couldn't be any more
4: happy about that. Uh, Tom, did you um, did you know all these instruments? I mean, for example, the flute. I mean, obviously, you went to Berkeley, so uh, uh, your, uh-huh. your knowledge of music theory and things is not to be questioned, as with anyone who went yeah, to Berkeley. But um, I mean, was it, mm-hmm. were there anything in here that you had to you know kind of learn for the situation?
0: Not not really. I uh, I played the flute when I was in high school okay. uh, because I was a big J- a Trattol fan. Okay. And that, yeah, you know, that led into the saxophone, which I got real serious with while I was at college. And you know, a lot of people get into Berkeley, uh, but not that many graduate. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I, I actually stayed the course. I went for about three years, and then took a year off and 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 worked, and then I was able to go back for that fourth year and finish up and and get my degree. So. That was a really good learning experience. And they'd show you a lot of stuff in that final year that they don't tell you about in the early years. You know, it's <laughs> just, just like the know. little secrets, yeah, the little secrets that you gotta stick around if you wanna know the really good stuff. But I was lucky I got to finish.
4: Yeah. And, and does anyone come out of Berkeley without the ability to sing? I mean, is that a requirement? I know mean, that <laughs> it we should could- be. You know, in doing in doing the show, I, you know, I research people's backgrounds, and, and you know, a lot of people come yeah. from Berkeley in many different parts of hard rock, heavy metal, and things like that. But anytime yeah. we get somebody from Berkeley, they're always the guy who is helping the singer and you know, with the great harmonies and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's a great question because you do have to take ear training. You do have to sing while you're there. And there are some people, some great musicians that just flat out do not sing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they, how they deal with that. I'm sure they, they find a way. Um, but I think the reason that you find that is because in this business, in the rock and roll business, you have to sing. I mean, it's almost more important than being at Berkeley. If someone calls you up for a job and they say, oh, you play great, you play great, now do you sing? And if you say no, that's usually the end of the conversation. (laughs) So I always tell people, if you want to work playing in bands, you better start singing. There are a few exceptions to the rules like drummers, you know, they get away with it. But uh, everybody else more than likely uh, needs to
2: just step up to the microphone and belt it out. Yeah, yeah. On some level. Certainly. Yeah. So
4: um, you guys are going to be doing, um, you know, the show in May. Um, and it looks like you're going to be doing most of the country, I'm assuming, this summer. Um, do you guys have plans to go back into the studio at any point in time?
5: Well, we're
0: thinking about, you know, uh, Mick Jones is always writing songs. Mm-hmm. He has that, that blessing of being a born songwriter. Mm-hmm. And... uh you know, obviously, one of the greatest gifted songwriters, he and, and Lou Grammer are both about to go into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And uh, just to sell 75 million records, there must be some good songs on there, you know. Yeah. So he's he's constantly, you know, it's like the wheels are always turning. So we'll be jamming on something at a sound check, and he'll say, does anyone have a tape recorder? Because the way he likes to do it is he'll just get a little, uh, just a little piece of an idea, and that can turn into a, a real song. Mm-hmm. So right now we're we're not um, scheduled to do a new album anytime soon. We're still, you know, promoting our last original album, which was called Can't Slow Down. Mm-hmm. And then feels like the first time, which which you talked about, also has some acoustic uh, treatments on there. Yeah. So we're still sort of promoting those, and we may do some acoustic shows uh, also. Uh, but yeah, I think I think there may be some some new recording happening within the next couple of years. They're definitely talking about it, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it will happen, but not in the immediate
4: future. Yeah, I don't think it, you know bands. Yeah. bands don't We're busy. busy. Yeah, and, and I think you know in in an age of you know 2013, bands make money by going on a touring. I mean. The new album is so great, and it certainly scratches the creative itch that I'm sure guys like Mick and yourself mm-hmm. have. But at the end of the day, yeah. like, you've got an organization and you know, a crew to feed and things like that. It's, it's, it makes sense to stay on the a, road.
0: Yeah. You're spot on, man. That's that's how the world has changed. It's just shifted a little bit. And yeah. yeah. the old days, the, the emphasis was on recording, yeah. and now the emphasis is on live. Yeah, uh, performance, which is which is fine, you know. Right. It's just a little bit different. That's all, no better, no worse. Just different.
4: Yeah. All right. Well, mm-hmm. Tom, I want to uh, wish you all the best again. We'll see you when you come in in May uh, to play the Carnegie Library in Pittsburgh, man. Thank you.
0: Oh yeah, May twenty fourth. We will be there with bells on. Looking forward to it. So oh, oh, urgent, urgent,
1: urgent, just wait and see how urgent.
3: All right, admittedly, I've never played a saxophone in my life, but uh, you can see what Tom's talking about, being really excited to play that solo on Urgent uh, that is taken from the latest uh, Foreigner album. Uh, You can pick that up at Walmart for like 12 bucks. It's an acoustic CD, a version of re-records of Foreigner's Greatest Hits and a DVD of them live in concert, so very worth the money. They will be again at the Carnegie Music Hall in Munhall, on the 19th to do a show uh, I believe there is a support act for that uh, but uh, still going to be a great long night of foreigner music so I'm very much looking forward to seeing that one want to thank you guys all as I mentioned at the top of the show this is our 200th episode uh, not many podcasts seem to get past 200 um, honestly when we started this if I got past 20 I would have been surprised uh, it's been a very long journey this started in 2009 uh, Iron City Rocks has kind of a grown and evolved Uh, but we still try to keep uh, a focus on uh, the city we love of pittsburgh but also bring it to the world uh, with artists globally Uh, we've had and talked to people from europe asia south america Uh, You name it, we've tried to talk to uh, anyone and everyone who will talk to us to bring you guys the best hard rock, metal, and blues, which has always been the the goal. And if we can share a little Pittsburgh love around the world along the way, we've tried to do so as well. So we want to thank you. You can find us at ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. You can find us on twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Also want to take a moment personally to thank Sean, Aaron, Eric, Angela, John, Jason and all of those who have helped uh the team uh at Iron City Rocks and ironcityrocks.com. Uh, we've gotten into a lot of work at shows and there's been a lot of effort put forth by a lot of people. I want to thank personally Kristen, Tim and Beth uh for their support of me personally in this endeavor and we want to thank you guys for listening because if people weren't listening honestly we wouldn't do it uh, it's fun uh we've gotten to talk to a lot of really great people and uh you know we, we'll never deny that it's a thrill doing this show but it is great to know that people listen we appreciate any and all feedback ironcityrocks at gmail.com and to a 200 more we'll talk to you next time